Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Thank you for all your well wishes after my Bengals won their first playoff game in 31 years. I almost froze to death in Cincinnati. <laughs> it got cold and I didn't realize how cold it was, but I, uh, I went to the game with friend of the show, Sean Ross Sapp. That was a that was a blast. Uh, also, Nick Hester, who's a friend of Sean's, and also friend, he listened to me at Fightful, I think here. But uh, no, thanks a lot. Um, attention must be paid. Meatloaf passing away of COVID-related symptoms at the age of seventy-four today. Professional wrestling connections, though. There, I I had forgotten about that appearance on Raw with Randy Orton. Chris, I sent you today. That was uh that was interesting. Took an RKO like a champ, but uh, here's the one that I had completely forgotten about too until later this this evening was that uh, Meatloaf was involved with the wrestling album from 1985, and that was through his connections with Jim Steinman, who was a producer on the thing, which I did not realize. The producers on that, Rick Derringer of rock and roll hoochie coo slash demolition theme slash hang on sloopy fame dave wolf who was cindy lopper's manager and boyfriend at the time cindy lopper under the name mona flambe and jim steinman were the producers on that thing and um (laughs) and and steinman um or meatloaf played drums on the cover of land of a thousand dances. And he's in that video with all the wrestlers playing drums. And you look and you go, Oh, that's meatloaf, but big fan of professional wrestling. Going to read something else. Cause it's kind of a uh, pertinent to conversations. Chris, uh, the, the, one thing though, real quickly on that, uh, I ahead. think it's notable that in land of a thousand dances, they couldn't even get the nah, 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 nah right like the yeah. rhythm on that is not correct yeah they, they, well it was they i'm i'm i always wondered which version they were going for if they were doing the original version um or the or the wilson pickett version because the the first version is is very stale and you know ones and threes and <laughs> like that where whereas wilson pickett's is a little more funky but uh I'm going to read you part of the Wikipedia from this, uh, from, from the wrestling album from 1985. Uh, the, on the B side, uh, or actually here it is. Rowdy Roddy Piper's track for everybody was a cover of Mike Angelo and the idol song F everybody with all the profanity removed, which I did not know. I did not realize that that was a song there. 
But uh, a year after the album's release, Jim Steinman, who had wrote, wrote uh, Hulk Hogan's theme, which was used on Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon, later wrote lyrics to Hulk Hogan's theme and re-released it as Ravishing, the opening track of Bonnie Tyler's 1986 album Secret Dreams and Forbidden Fire, from which the single Holding Out for a Hero was on. I did not know that either. I'm just like, so, okay, that makes sense why Meatloaf was now involved with the wrestling album. That's kind of cool music geekery for your trivia knowledge. I mean, here's my thing, though, with that, the, the ravishing tidbit. I have written a number of songs. I have sold some of these songs. Uh, once those songs are out the door, never has it remotely crossed my mind. To rewrite lyrics to, for the same to, yeah, tune? Yeah, yeah, or like re-grab the tune. Like, I've sold beats and stuff. Like, no, like, dude, like those people who bought those beats off me, they own that. All the guitar parts, all of it, it's done. I'll never touch it again. It's theirs. Why would I, even if legally speaking, <laughs> I own it, but like, that's just weird, man. It, it's just not a, not a normal thing to do. By the way, I, I, I highly suggest if, if only once seek out Mike Angelo and the idol song, uh, it's uh expletive. Everybody, the expletive starting with F it's, it's a, uh, it's a definite product of its time, but it's a fun little tune. But I did not realize that Roddy's Roddy Piper's song was that with just the with the profanities cut out. Um, I am not the biggest Meatloaf fan in the world. It was weird reading all the tributes and stuff, and oh, how great it was! And, you know, I always found his songs kind of long and ponderous. To be honest with you, I mean, not that uh, they were it, it bad. was very strange to see the uh, he taught me it was okay to be weird thing. I'm like, there are other people. <laughs> That you could have easily learned to be weird from who wrote Bowie. shorter, <laughs> uh, shorter, snappier songs. Uh, Devo, for example, Whip It, I believe, is like two minutes and 24 seconds. Um, and, and that's ever bit as weird as objects in the rearview mirror may appear closer than they are. Uh, I, I just, I've never got it with Meatloaf. I, I think the I think theatrical music theater, music theater kids really love him. And I think, I think it's mostly because his his album, singles albums are a lot like show tune, story tune type of things. I mean, I have nothing against long songs. My favorite band. I think he also he songs. did thrive in the music video era too. Yes. Like, like it's impossible yes. to imagine a meatloaf type of act working now in the same way unless they were doing viral YouTube videos. Maybe meatloaf could work again, but it would have to be like little mini movies that you watch on youtube and oh, that that would actually be perfect 10 minutes and 12 seconds and that's what the he average did with, length of a meatloaf song yeah and that's what he did with steinman when he recorded uh bad out of hell when it was like we want these four mini movies to help with marketing of the album and that's what really put him over and then of course bad out of hell too in 93 or whatever it was uh you know that was i would say right at the beginning of the end of the music video era 93 i would guess because it started going downhill from there and then mtv started going into more reality quote-unquote type programming to fill in and now you can't even find a random music video. random landmark i guess to me would be the michael jackson black or white music debut um that video was such a big deal and i can't think of another music video debut that had that same level of like oh heft, thriller heft. 
Oh no! I'm oh, you mean black after, and white after. came out in '93. Well, no, yeah. no, I know, I know that, but I, I thought you, I thought I, I jumped, I jumped the gun on your sentence. I apologize. Oh, you, you've been jumping the gun on many of my lines throughout this show today, Hawkins. Wow. Inclu- you stepped on the last show, Hawkins. You stepped on it. I was trying to get to the punchline about the average meatloaf song being the average length of a YouTube. It was a great joke. It was well formulated. <laughs> I didn't know. You I can't read your mind. It. You pounced on it savagely. Okay. Well, let's get to wrestling news. Then. Yeah, fine. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> as none of us have strong opinions about Meatloaf's music, either positive or negative. It was just weird. Oh, who was it? Kazarian. It's like riding the road with listening to your songs. And so it's just like, that's such a weird flex. But okay, I'll go with it. I mean, I guess some people were big Meatloaf fans. I just, it was something that, uh, I just went okay. They're, they're he, was good not, songs. he was he was neither here nor there for me. Yeah, you know, apparently he had recently taken public stands that uh, about the vaccine and that sort of thing. And I don't really care too much about that because honestly, I wasn't even aware of that before he passed. But like, like yeah. I just, I just can't get my. I guess what I'm saying is. I, between that and the fact that I never cared about him all that much in the first place, and always kind of thought he was pretty mid i you know he was good in fight club uh yeah 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 his name was robert paulson yeah. <laughs> uh starting with a re-signing in the federation of notes sammy zane fightful reporting that sammy zane has re-upped a contract for three years with uh wwe terms not disclosed as usual but it had been conf- rumored for a while and they'd gotten confirmation Lots of crying from the wrestling Twitterverse on this one because, look, I, I understand their pain. They want to see him in a place where he can thrive and have great matches and all that, but sometimes the answer to everything is money. And, you know, for, for every guy that doesn't like being in WWE, more on that in a bit, there are people that, that do quite well and enjoy themselves there and like being there despite all the mentalness and all the mental gymnastics some people have to go to survive there. I, you know, let's put it this way. He was he was doing bits with a fake rhino electrocutor as opposed to having to fall off a ladder onto different things. So there before the grace of God go, I, I have no problem with anybody who makes a deci- financial decision that's better for them. And if worse comes to worse and WWE cuts them midway through this contract, trust me, Tony Khan will open the door wide open for him to come over to AEW. So this is a win-win proposition in many, many ways, I think, for Sami Zayn. Good on him. Am I a little sad? Look, some people want to win Super Bowls. Some people want to win the max contract with, with even with whatever team they can get on. I have no problem with either way because it's it's all about your what drives you in the business and you know i mean look he's he has a whole plethora of great matches from his time in roh he doesn't need any more he really doesn't take the money why not your thoughts i got no problem with Sami Zayn staying with wwe you know Selfishly, yes, it would be nice to see him in Kevin Owens over in AEW. It would make for a better show on AEW, and AEW is such a leaps and bounds, more entertaining show to watch than WWE is here. 
in part because AEW's gotten better, but also in part because WWE's gotten way worse over the last 24 <laughs> months. And yeah, I would love to see Sammy and Kevin over on AEW. They're not going to be. They're making their money. I got other things to do. <laughs> Someone who did not want to stay in WWE, uh, Mustafa Ali, asked for his release earlier on Sunday. By Wednesday, it had been denied, uh, despite quote-unquote cost-cutting measures. Apparently, the crux of this argument was Ali had pitched a gimmick, which uh, I was told and it wasn't a bad gimmick. It would have been very, very interesting. And then Vince countered with one that, uh, knowing Vince, <laughs> let's put it this way. Ali said he was uncomfortable with with, uh, with doing it. I assume it was race-based in some way. Uh, you can't say that for now, certain. Now, what in recent weeks would lead <laughs> you to believe that maybe <laughs> Mustafa Ali would have been burdened <laughs> with a race character? <laughs> we may get into that in a second as well, because there was some interesting going on there behind the scenes. But yeah, um, I look, here. here's my thing. WWE has every right to keep him. It's a multi-year contract. He still has multiple years on his contract, allegedly. Uh, they chose not to let him go. It is hypocritical, though, to say you have uh, budget cuts and budget concerns, and you'll let Tony Storm leave when she feels like it. Uh, you'll let others leave when they ask for their release, and you won't let Ali go here. You cut Slapjack for obviously budgetary reasons. <laughs> Cut him for creative reasons too. <laughs> that, that crocodile. Well, not, not, not so sure about that. But it, you know, it's one of those things where <laughs> it, it yeah, nobody's ever going to know about this except the nerds on Twitter. So it's one of those things where they're going to get away with it. But at the same time, you just kind of throw up your hands and go, "Well, if he doesn't want to be there, let him go. Let him do the ninety days and let him go somewhere else." And do what he's going to do. He's not going to, because it's obvious from other things that happened this week that you don't see other federations as a, as a threat per se. But it, to me, it's like, I, I liked the idea. It wasn't going to be a star. It wasn't going to be a huge moneymaker to me. What, what Ali was, was pitching, but it was a good idea. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a, is it, it was a twist on say what the Usos had done with the uh, Samoan legacy when they first came in and then they got reverted back to just ordinary Samoans type of thing. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, yeah. what's, but, but this is, this is just pettiness to me. Just keeping them just to, just out of spite. To be yeah. Honest. And Mustafa Ali is kind of like ricochet where I think those of us who follow the business fairly closely realize how good these guys are and how criminally underutilized they are in WWE, but. And also how many great pitches he already had. I mean, he had the cop story. You could have just used his real story. Yeah. That's the other, and, and if you know the actual number of solid pitches that Mustafa Ali has had to try to monetize himself, here's the thing where I really feel for these guys. Uh, I, and this is why Mustafa Ali is like, I want to release their ability to monetize themselves is only as good as Vince and creatives like willingness to go there. So like when Mustafa Ali wants to sell t-shirts, he's only going to sell t-shirts by being able to do storylines that move units. And so when Vince nerfs him on story one and story two and story three and story four, 
how's this guy going to sell t-shirts uh, retribution t-shirts no like that was never going to take off slapjack jokes aside here um like you you weren't going to actually move units like that he needs a story where he can connect with crowds so that he can make the most amount of money um everybody wants that and so like when these guys are going to creative and getting shot down on their pitches it's not just oh the frustrated artist in them is not being yeah. spoken to I, and sometimes i see it covered like that all oh, these guys are just butthurt because they're not gonna you know get their artsy fartsy side scratch no these guys have marketing ideas marketing ideas for these characters these characters need to be involved in stories to sell those marketing ideas to sell those catchphrases um part of those stories involve doing promos where you deliver the new catchphrase but if you never get mic time then you're never able to get over that catchphrase and if you're never able to get that catchphrase over you're never able to sell the t-shirt with that catchphrase on it like ali it I really want to stand up for him and like everyone who's been kind of making these moves here over the last few years, because I think so often it it just gets written off as just, Oh, they're not having their creative souls. They're difficult. They're difficult. They're being difficult. Yeah. 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 No, this is about money. And these guys see what it is too. And when, and when that's the other thing, when the difficult narrative gets out there, I want to sort of unspin what that spin is. No, these guys aren't being difficult. These guys are trying to hold the line because they know not holding that line is costing them money. And the other half of this is if you've seen a lot of product that's come out of the, the, uh, how do we put this? The brain trust of WWE marketing. A lot of it's not that good. So it's a blessing when people have ideas to run with it, they think they can sell T-shirts and masks and stuffed animals and and things of that nature, as opposed to say a word in in you know some font, you know that nobody's gonna want to. Uh, uh, I mean, wear after not to days. jump entirely ahead here, um, but like, should Walter, <laughs> if pitched that name, just sat there and been like, oh, you know what? Fine. I guess I'll take the U-boat captain's name. I'll let's, be a former Nazi. I'm okay. going to be a former Nazi. Let's like, tell the story. Or, or, or should Walter in hypothetically go, hey, you know what? I actually think being named after a former Nazi is a bad thing, and I don't want to do that for my marketing. Go if ahead, you've Jeff. you've been living under a rock for any reason and did not know this, yes, Walter, <laughs> the WWE trademarked the name Gunter Stark uh earlier last week uh and the target was going to be walter who was then known as uh who was later rebranded on nxt 2.0 this week as gunter well turns out that gunter stark should you google that name is a uh, rather infamous u-boat captain during world war ii for the nazis now <laughs> There's a certain amount of due diligence when you go through the uh, WWE name ometer that you should probably and, and that has to include basic Google, right? Like, like I, I don't know what due diligence is, but that has to start with Google. It means right? you do your research, and yes, you Google the name <laughs> to see. Well, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like there's this bit in Norm Macdonald's autobiography about an author by the name of Charles Manson, whose book, My Family, came out just the day before the slaughter of people by a cult leader by the name of Charles Manson. And it's just, it's like, look, but at the same time, 
they know what they're doing too. I think they knew this and, and they didn't, they, they chose to go through with it because eh, nobody's going to care anyways. I mean, you, you reminded me of this and I had forgot about this. They tried to put Hirohito as a name of a gimmick on television in, in the nineties. <laughs> so, so last week before we got yes. on the air, uh, no, this is I'll after, this is after the show. No, no, this is before. This is oh, before. I, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because we were pre, we were pre-show banner and we post-show banner, and sometimes one's longer than the other. Actually, sometimes the pre-show is fairly long. Post-show is usually longer. Um, we were on pre-show, and I was like, <laughs> "We're talking about Saudi Arabia." We were talking about Saudi Arabia, and we were talking about uh, Meltzer's joke about uh, Saudi Arabia and Auschwitz and everything like that. Yeah, and whether or not it was tasteful, like because we weren't going to do it on the air or whatever. And and so I was just giving my two cents, and I was like, I wouldn't even know how to broach this on the air ironic uh, as i am now doing it uh, but i was like look i don't know this to be true because you can't possibly know this to be true because it's counterfactual but i know for a fact that if vince mcmahon was running a wrestling promotion in the 1930s he absolutely 100 percent would have ran shows in hitler's germany yes. not a doubt in my mind yes, and this, he would have... this is last week mind you um and i didn't want to mention that on the air because last week i was like oh you know that's a bit far-fetched no 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 like, all the no it's, it wasn't even far-fetched he would have week. come to him after the berlin olympics after jesse owens we go hey you know what i got a way you know to really get your people happy again you're gonna love this robert lashley he's huge <laughs> you, he, no remember i was gonna say it's gonna be walter versus like cheeseburger, cheeseburger. yeah yeah that's right well I, yeah I, I initially i i pitched walter gunter stark versus yes. robert lashley yes. in, in 1938 uh yeah <laughs> uh, of course he would have but my god i mean this is just Look, the Imperium stuff as it is with Ring Comp is a bit too on the nose for some people as well. <laughs> like, and this is the first week where I actually kind of was like, oh, man. I wonder, it reminded me of like when Chappelle walked away from doing the Chappelle show, like in the third season or whatever. One of the reasons yeah. they cited at the time was like he, he got uncomfortable because he started realizing people were laughing at the jokes in ways that he wasn't comfortable with. And he started realizing that like what he thought was funny in it was not necessarily what other people thought was funny in it. And like what he liked about it was not necessarily what other people liked about it. And this is the first week where like watching Imperium, I had that same vibe of what I like about these guys is like, yeah, okay. Like they, you know, they, they have that German level of seriousness or whatever that European level of seriousness, but like you need just heels with gravitas and self seriousness and self and, and gym school bullies. Uh, yeah. 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 And like, and like class gym and class like, bullies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yes. Yeah, so it just, you know, they bring a certain thing that yes. is missing from wrestling yes. that's timeless, that has nothing to do with politics or fascism. Uh, there's, there's a slight bit of jingoism in there because they're foreign, but other than I, that. Uh, yeah, a slight bit of jingoism because they're foreign, but like, I mean, it, there's the, that's the same classic, like, austere German thing that's always kind yeah, of. But, but, like, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, but, but it's, but it's, but it's a good kind because it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's in their self-seriousness. Yes, yes. And like, also, I mean, you know, it's it, people could cheer for Imperium still, right? Like, like they, they I cheer worked, for Imperium. I yeah, love that. Too. Yeah, they, 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 they've they worked his faces and stuff. This is the first week when I was like watching them where I was like, do like Vince and other guys in creative go like, 
Yeah, I kind of like the Nazi thing they're throwing off here. <laughs> like, 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 That's yeah. totally Bruce. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you've got uh, Saray coming back as a Japanese schoolgirl. <laughs> what are we doing? What? What? Okay. Uh, getting, old old Mafia Pizza is getting more the mic time. Pizza. We have the axis of evil right there. We have Japan, Italy, and, and Germany. We can have World War II again. We, you know what we need to do? We need to, we, we need to repackage Otis as wrestling Churchill, and then he can beat the axis. And you know, maybe maybe we get a guy in a wheelchair who comes in with a long cigarette holder, <laughs> just. And all of a sudden, the Stalin guy who's kind of the tweeter of the group. <laughs> never, never quite know who's can't, Stalin. Can't really trust him. Can't really that's, trust that's him. That's got to be Orton. Right that's got to be Orton. Yeah, Orton <laughs> is oh, Stalin. Andy Orton <laughs> and his new facial hair are the. <laughs> And then afterwards, he turns on everybody. Garcados, yeah. oh, you knew it! You knew it the yeah, entire it. time. Orton oh. really is perfect for that casting. Oh my goodness! I can't. I, just to get a little in the lazy river territory, that Saray thing was the most uncomfortable I've felt watching a wrestling program. And this is the same week we had the Nazi. Yes, in the same way <laughs> and uh, maybe it just it's because of the serene if it goes to certain proclivities Jeff may have at times. Um, but at the same time, it's just like she came in super serious, super athlete, and now she's been reduced to a combination of porn fetish and Harry Potter. And you're just like, oh my god, what what have they done to this show? And, and while I enjoyed the Karen Q gimmick, uh last week yeah this now week was, this week is bad this week was bad but then also with saray it's like oh are you like looking at all of the people from the asian continent and going they need a zany gimmick of some sort <laughs> oh and, and just get to circle back to gold gunter stark we this is a company that hates having repetitive names and we already have zoe stark on the roster too is that, is that gonna be? Is that mean Zoe's cousin from Europe uh, out here on an exchange program to NXT High School? You, you know, Have you the, met my- <laughs> I I actually think there is like a thirty percent chance that initially Gunther Stark was proposed by like the dopey like WWE naming generation system where like. Right. Stark or rugged or rigid or like these are the type of last names that people have um you know like joey rigid or something like that but like walter is german he can't be walter rigid because then you wouldn't actually convey the germanness and even if he was walter stark that's too not german so he needed to be gunter stark um, he could have been Walter Austere. That's a little French sounding though to me. Um, so you know, Stark. That's that's I I think that like there's a decent chance. Goldschlager, you know, just like yeah, a yeah, bunch yeah. of German booze and pick one. Gunter is such Schlitz. like a yeah, lazy German name, right? Like <laughs> like like they didn't even come up with a Klaus, you know? Like like Klaus, Klaus Stark would have been fine, but like I, I bet you Someone didn't like Klaus. I bet you someone was against Klaus. That sounds too German. Yeah, too German. Too you, ethnic. Bring too it ethnic. down. We bring can't it down. Have that. Put on Gunter. <laughs> Gunter. Good Lord have mercy. Uh, let's get back to the news somehow if I can get there. Oh, interview with Scotty Tuhati, former NXT coach. <laughs> Describing the. 
this is the other part of it that's just driving me nuts. Describing the uh, behind the scenes thing back there, they, they were told that coaches had to start wearing business casual again to work, cut their hair and dye the gray hair out of their beard so that they could look younger when they're not even appearing on television. What? What are they doing? I, it, it's, look, I've already said before when I, when I was going out for a job with the WWE and when I've kind of kicked the tires a bit here and there, that one of the things that I just thought was ridiculously stupid was having creatives have, having to wear the shirt and tie gimmick backstage because it you're in a lo- you're in a room with a bunch of writers for hours and hours on end you want to be as comfortable as possible as opposed to uh, you know what this whole business casual thing with WWE is to me it, it's like if you watch an old westerns i you know there's a gunfight and one of the guys is like a, a is a former union soldier or something, and he's killed. And then either the town drunk or one of the bad guys flunkies dresses up like the soldier and wants to be <laughs> is marching around like he's he's worthy of the same respect as the union soldier. That's what this is to me. It, it, it's just a power move in so many ways when there doesn't need to be a power move when it's a, a creative endeavor. Let let people be comfortable and creative. Right. I I mean, I think a lot of times dress codes are really about power control. It's not to say that there shouldn't be dress codes. In there certain are certain circ- industries. Yeah. Where you oh, need yeah, a dress yeah. Code. And there are certain circumstances too. Like, I mean, like even in my own industry, there are certain gigs and stuff where you need to wear a collared shirt and you need to wear a tie. And like, yes. I, I have slacks and ties for those sorts of occasions or whatever. But I think a lot of times, like, you know, for example, in an office, having a dress code, especially in the year 2022 for kind of a more laid back sort of office um, or a more laid back sort of environment. That's just a way of putting a thumb on everyone's head and keeping control on them. Um, and I think to your point in a creative environment, it's actually the opposite. It's, it's weirdly stifling in ways that like a creative might not necessarily be aware of at first blush. But like, if you're not in your comfy clothes, you're not going to necessarily do your best thinking. If you're uh, dressed like you're at a board meeting, you're going to act like you're at a board meeting. And you're going to think like you're at a board yeah, meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, when, you I thought of another... free, when you want me to be free thinking, I, yeah. like, I like to be. You yeah. Know... If you go if you go to a real TV writer's room, I mean, most of those guys look like they barely put on clean clothes, let alone any clothes at all. But it, yeah, I, I thought of another thing to compare it to and that's that's the uh you remember when you were a kid and you'd go on field trips and uh, remember you're dressing like you're representing the school that that's what it is it's, you're dressing like you're representing the company at all times and it's like oh my god give me a break yeah right and, and like yes it, it's sort of one of those weird onuses like you're an ambassador of the company remember yes, if, they see you at, yes. if they see you at an arby's and they go where do you work uh, you, you tell just... them you tell them <laughs> wwe <laughs> and you look at the look on their face and see what they think of you <laughs> boss couldn't i just lie no <laughs> i uh i work in sales <laughs> i work at the car no, no damn you you're gonna tell them that you work in sports entertainment not <laughs> professional wrestling sports entertainment damn it uh so the toronto star ran a piece about the way aew is nipping at wwe's heels and the Vince McMahon-owned sports entertainment giant took aim at that recent AEW Rampage match featuring Penelope Ford and the Bunny taking on Ty Conti and Anna Jay. Quote, 
If you look at the gory self-mutilation that bloodied several women in the December 31st event on a TNT, it quickly becomes clear that these are very different businesses. We had an edgier product in the Attitude Era, and in a 2022 world, we don't believe that type of dangerous and brutal display is appealing to network partners, sponsors, venues, children, or the general public as a whole. Chris, I'll let you take it first. Um, so I think that WWE's got like real brass balls for going after, uh, the AEW main event a couple of weeks ago, um, on the, the blood and gut side here, especially, you know, they like to say, oh, we don't take unnecessary risks. This is a company that regularly has people come back from knee injuries and participate in ladder matches. Like there's a long list of people who have come back and taken really unnecessary risks. Dolph Ziggler's like actually probably appears on that list multiple times. Um, and I, I think that this is not a company that actually particularly cares very much about people's safety. Um, m- meanwhile, in terms of presentation of women, like, yeah, okay. it's <laughs> Yeah, l- like, let's talk about that now. You're right. AEW and WWE, the presentation of women is Stark, right? Uh, WWE. Gunter Stark, even. Yes. Yeah, you could say it's Gunter Stark. Uh, <laughs> that they... It, it's a fun adjective to describe very <laughs> I had to think of like what the what the definition of that is, but it's like one of those German constructed words to describe mm-hmm. like a discrete event. Um it's very Gunter Stark. And WWE, like look, look what they're doing with Liv Morgan. Look at what they are doing with Bianca Belair. Yeah, no, you're not getting your women over. Yes, your women wouldn't wouldn't participate in uh some of these blood and guts matches or whatever. Okay. Um, and you know, I'm not going to condone like Moxley dropping an F bomb, um, to open up the show on one hand, part of me was like rock on on another hand, part of me <laughs> like gets that, like that's potentially problematic and like, you can't do that. So I get like where WWE sees their little lane of attack here, but dude, it, they're they're so bad at presenting women like listening to them talk about uh the the appropriate presentation of women is like listening to a blind man describe the sun to you <laughs> it was shrewd and and I'll, I'll i'll get into that i agree this is a company where women wrestlers in order to be treated like women wrestlers basically had to drop on their hands and knees and and build up the developmental company to the point where they would be allowed to do it. And then the main roster took notice and then allowed their women to be professional wrestlers, which is all the women want to be really a lot of these women that are in wrestling right now. They don't want to be booty models. They don't want to be, you know, TNA doing lingerie panty fights and all these other crap gimmicks that have been around there through the years. But really what this was, I mean, for all the hypocrisy, and there is plenty to go around here, this was a shot across the bow at advertisers and ad buyers who are the most nervous people in the world about putting their money and putting their ads on quote-unquote controversial products. It happened with the UFC for the longest time, where the only sponsors they could get were things like Condom Depot because everybody was frightened by the violence of the product. And, and part of that was due to WWE 
talking about, well, we're, we're different products, blah, 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 blah. Look at how violent they are. You shouldn't be a, look, come over here, Snickers and Mountain Dew and Sunny Delight and all, you know, whatever. To, to you look like you're about to say something go ahead yes well if they hadn't had that last little rejoinder at the end of the statement i think it would have been perfect right like it started losing steam when they're like and audiences um audiences are actually the one group that seems to not be so affected by this i like i get the whole let's go after the networks, uh, maybe this will make networks skittish or whatever, but WWE over the last 20 years since you moved away from the more violent product has been experiencing a steady decline in viewership numbers. Yes, that's not necessarily tracking with stock price, so it goes sometimes, but like the actual viewership numbers continue to decline and this week was notable with those declines. Well, and therein lies the answer to the, uh, this is this is the way that AEW should counter this. Grow your audience, because if you're winning, none of the advertisers are going to care. The advertisers are going to want to be on the number one show. And if you're the number one show and they're the PG show and they're second place, nobody's going to care. That's the other thing, right? They're scared. I, I think that's, you know, you say this is shrewd. I actually think this is the first time that we've really seen them start to feel their cage being rattled. They didn't view themselves as being in a Wednesday night war because they didn't actually view AEW as real competition. AEW now, during that time where Vince didn't consider them real competition, has started to become real competition. Um, And their viewership numbers are moving in the right direction, and WWE's viewership numbers are not. And this week in particular, what was in the 1849 demo, they actually beat WWE straight up? Uh... That was going to be my next story <laughs> to finish this. AEW Dynamite viewership on 119.22 drew three-month high, beat Raw in the key demo by one point. Keep in mind, of course, that Raw was going up against an NFL playoff game at the time, so there is possibly an asterisk there, but uh, it's worth talking about at least. I mean, Raw grew in audience as, as the game went on because the game was a bad game. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're you you know what I mean? Like you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, oh, hey, look at some random cards, or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards. It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. 
But those arena club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Overall, but yeah, AEW is is in the demo. Not in total viewers, but in the demo is pretty much neck and neck with WWE right now. And if I was going to take someone, uh, uh, one of my friends to a wrestling show right now, it's no brainer. Yeah, which one would you go to? It's oh, yeah, yeah. That no, or GCW yeah, for me. For, I mean. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, and for, they, AEW runs here all the time. So, like, which one would I go to? Yeah. AEW, done and done. Yeah, so that does it for the uh, news portion of the show. Time to open up the lazy river of wrestling criticism. Any Anything that we've watched throughout the week is open for business. I will start first. Okay. I am. <laughs> I have been non, uh, non-interested it, or uninterested would be a better term to use there, Hawkins, in the Royal Rumble on certain years. Never, never to this point where I am just like, I don't care because I can't see many, any really strong mania main events that can be built out of this. And I'll tell you something that's, I, I think it, it goes to a deeper problem in WWE, but it, it's, it's a problem. I think for this show, we have three title matches on this show, Chris, consisting of heel versus heel matchups. We have Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar who turned from babyface to heel when Heyman came back. Don't don't tell me different. Don't tell me he's he's a tweener depending on who he goes against. He's a heel again. We have Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and we have Dewdrop and Becky Lynch. This is a <laughs> this is a damning statement about the state of WWE's roster of babyfaces. They just can't make likable people. And when you do have quote unquote likable people on there, they're saddled with goofs like Rhea Ripley is with Nikki A.S.H. Or, or they do dumb things which make people lose faith in them. And of course, the bad guys are going to be more interesting. And I have no problem with heel on heel feuds. Heels should heal with feuds occasionally. But like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins is such a strange pairing for Roman Reigns in the bloodline. And you're right. It's a real testimony to how bad the baby faces are that like there's a momentary vacuum in who's the champion just for a moment. And there was no clear person to pick up the baton and carry the company for six months. It's not true. McIntyre. It's not big E uh, it's nobody. 
Uh, I'm, I'm with you. This, this Royal Rumble is perhaps one of the most boring of all time. Uh, even watching that package tonight where they were like explaining the Royal Rumble in agonizing detail. And then they started announcing like, who are some of the big comebacks and like the, the big names coming back are like, Oh wow. Lita. Oh boy. can't wait to see what Johnny Knoxville is going to do in the Royal Rumble. Maybe he'll win it. Maybe Johnny Knoxville will go on to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. How exciting that would be. Yeah. Uh, and, and here's the other problem is I think they're going to be relying too much on surprise. Yeah. Too. Like the women's rumble, I am I am dead certain that the winner of the women's Royal Rumble has not yet been announced or is not yet been announced as being in the match yet. And I have two people I'm thinking of that that I think could win that. In the men's rumble, you look at that lineup. Yeah, you're, you're gonna have the Zane Johnny Knoxville comedy spot. You're gonna have, you know, you're gonna build your B feuds for WrestleMania. But who are you looking at in that lineup and going, that's a guy I want to see go up against Brock or go up against Roman at WrestleMania? I mean, it's, it's just got to be Big E, right? Like, that's got to be the guy. Or it's a see, I, I, I was thinking almost for the longest time, but but then they turned him heel. I was just like, well, that'd be another heel versus heel. Might be Big E. I don't know. I really don't well, know. You know, to that point. Why would you I, get I behind Biggie at this one, point? One of the biggest problems, and we talked about this last year, but like this year is even more true, is the whole joy of Mania season is this should be a 16-week narrative journey. Yes. And they've just completely moved away from that. It makes it completely unrewarding to watch the Royal Rumble because this should be like the first important chapter uh, or like, you know, this is like chapter three where stuff really starts happening. Chapter one's right after Survivor Series. We start setting the table for the Rumble. Who's going to be in it? Who might be a title contender? We should be coming up at this big like, oh, I can't wait to see who's going to win the Rumble. And I'm like not excited about the Rumble well, in the slightest. You're, you're younger than I am. Uh, That's obviously. true. Yeah. Uh, most people are. Uh, I'm as old as dirt. So let me posit this to you because I've, I've watched every Royal Rumble uh, since the inception in 1987 i think it is and for me the joy part of the joy of the royal rumble was buying into the thought that if some goof drew number 29 or number 30 that they had a shot at winning this thing and when they brought in the you can main event at wrestlemania stipulation for the rumble it killed a lot of my interest because it came during I think it came during the Attitude Era, towards the beginning of the Attitude Era in that time. And so you knew it was always going to be Rock, Austin, Undertaker, Triple H, or something like that. And it just, it, it, it made it a lot less fun for me unless you had just an all-star 30, you know, world champions from different federations coming in to fight for the chance for a world title type of thing. Which, which has only really kind of happened once. I think it was, you know, 92 was pretty close to that because they had the, the, the underrated part of the 92 Rumble where Flair won the title, where, you know, the, the belt was on the line in the Rumble was like that mid part of the Rumble were all guys who Flair had history with in other places or even there. It's about, you know, he brought out Greg Valentine, who was his former tag partner, you know, Tito Santana, who he who he fought against in NWA and also in WWE, Kerry Von Eric, the famous, you know, match in, in, in Dallas, all those other types of stories. They've, they've never really 
part of the problem with the rumble now is there's, there's not a real compelling through line a lot of years. Some years they get it like, like the year of uh punk and the nexus was kind of interesting in some ways where he was using them as, as his soldiers to throw people out. And then Booker T came out and then, you know, they had that stupid thing with the core, but Daniel Bryan, Daniel uh, Bryan's was interesting. Yeah. Daniel Bryan's was like a true story. Like the yes. mania was really the last real, I guess Kofi mania was kind of close to it, but like yes. mania Kofi mania was really just like a rehash of yes. mania. Um, Did Kofi win the rumble? I can't remember that. I remember. Yes, I, I, no, he did. He because like you know, it was like kind of like the fruition of his career of ex- daring escapes and never touching the ground in the Royal Rumble. Okay, because because there were times where they teased us, like the Rumble I went to uh, in Philly with with Rob McCarron. It was it was that was the year that Nakamura won, and he chose AJ Styles, and we were gonna get the greatest WrestleMania match in history. It ended with like a, a kick to the balls, and you're just like, oh, f that <laughs> type of thing, but. Yeah, overall, I just I'm, I'm looking at this roster up and down. You know, maybe if you you threw threw me for a loop and put Braun Breaker in there and you won it, maybe then it's just like okay, this is kind of interesting. But you know, the mainstream WWE audience wouldn't give a crap because nobody watches NXT anymore for a good reason. That shows become unwatchable. And, and I'm sorry, Braun Breaker's okay. He's okay. Yes. Yes. He's not. He's okay. He's Hook is better. Uh, like Hook has more. No, he. And I'm not like saying this is like a Hook stand. I, I like Hook has more things going in his act right now than Breaker does. Yes. Um, Breaker doesn't have a promo. Breaker doesn't have a super long match, and him. the suplexes are real nice. Hook's suplexes are real nice. Um, I, I think Hook's better in terms of moving around the ring and actually like the going at kind of. The, the motions of being in the ring, the ring command yes. stuff. Breaker doesn't have that yet. Uh, there's a lot of stuff where Breaker is being really overexposed right now as being the NXT champion. And I, I think calling him up right now would only further overexpose this guy. No, they're going to call him up for the Rumble. And they're going to eliminate him. That, that, that's that's their move. They always call one or two guys from NXT up to be, oh, this is your chance to be in the Rumble. And they make him look dumb. Like, like mirror... Like Rusev, the first time he was in the Rumble, man, it was just like, oh, he's a killer. And then it just made him look stupid. And then it's like, well, what can we do with him? <laughs> uh, your turn. Um, We talked a little bit this about this before the show, but I'll, I'll mention it again. Jade Cargill stinks. Uh, she She's not good. And this match tonight w- was even more of Cargill lost in the ring the, the little background for those we, we recorded on friday night so this is after rampage jade cargill versus anna j for the tbs title yes jade cargill versus anna j particularly towards the close of this match two when, ring when, generals right there jay for her credit <laughs> I, I, she handled she handled the important part of the match fine yes. Cargill goes and gets her up yes. in whatever the slam thing is she she gets out slides under the legs kicks out Cargill's legs puts her into the queen slayer everything that Anna J had to do there was fine 
This might have been one of my favorite Anna Jay matches and out of her personally. I, I didn't have a problem with Jay's performance in this match. Right. The, 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 this is all but you are correct of, that Jade Jade was lost at times. Dude, like the kicks still stink. Like her, her pump kick is so bad. It doesn't do her any favors. It doesn't make her look dominant. And like the whole reason Cargill should be doing a pump kick is because that pump kick gets really good high extension and looks really clean when shooting out. And right now, every and, and this is like not this time, it's like every time her pump kick goes basically just shy of 90 degrees and it's like a noodle when it extends out. Like, this is not a formidable looking pump kick, it does not, it does not convey the size and the supreme athletic prowess of this <laughs> this this monster athlete jade cargill she looks lost she looks lost you know what drives me nuts about her at times and i i i, I give her i give her leeway i i get she's green it's it's the fact that she's concentrating so hard to get the posing stuff down like when she was doing the three count thing you know you could see she was going to do like the one and the two in the back and then flex for the three. And she was, she, she got the count mixed up with the ref and it just, it, it, I was just like, all right, look, stop, stop the sizzle. Let's, let's get the steak down a little bit more, just a bit before we start worrying about the flourishes on our, on our pinfalls and things like that. I just, yeah, I, this was no bueno. <laughs> She's the let's just see how this plays out champion. Oh, Kenny. Oh, Kenny. We, we have to see how Gunter Stark or Gunter now plays out as a one word, as a, as a man who has lost his last name on a roster. Ah, uh, that's no, no good. Never a good start. Just yeah. go and ask our old pal, Carrion. <laughs> Former NXT, two-time NXT champion, Carrion. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I'll stay with AEW. I'll move over to Dynamite from Wednesday night. Uh, and I'd be acclaimed at a really good showing here. I I do. I mean, we've given Max Caster grief over the over the years for being but the. I, I, I've always been a Max Caster stand. I, I, as a I'm wrestler like, or as a presence because as, as a, a presence, presence yes as a, as a presence, presence i've great. always said yeah i've always said he's got it out. Yeah, as, yeah, a, yeah. as a presence he's great but as a wrestler he sometimes gets short shrift i thought it was very good here you know anthony bones is is great as always um i, I had two problems with this main event match though and it, one came from overthinking and one came from just scripting it out and here here are what they are i think they overthought how over Sting was going to be in Washington, D.C. Uh, that crowd was dead for that first half of that match. And I think they thought, well, because you had the rabid crowds in D.C. for WCW and because this is the Mid-Atlantic Territory from 35, 40 years ago, that Sting, they're going to be rabid to see Sting do a two-on-one match at age 63. <laughs> and I got news for you. They weren't. And it, and, and you the guy you're trying to get over here is Darby. Darby's the star of this act. Sting is the guy who gives him, gives him the sizzle as opposed to the steak. It should have been two on one with Darby. Now, the other thing that just drove me nuts about this match, and this isn't AEW's fault, but it, it's, it's, it's the, uh, it's the beats fault. And I've gone, gone over this before in the year of our Lord, 2022, we need to find a way 
to do advertising on live professional wrestling that does not cut into the actual match. And so I have to draw focus or watch in silence the, the other part of the match, especially in this one in the main event where all the heat happened during a, a progressive commercial. <laughs> you know, during that last commercial break is when the heat segment happened. And then when they came back, it was time for the comeback. And I was just like, you know, I, I don't pay attention to when the wrestling commentary is not on. I look at my phone, I go to the restroom, I grab a snack. I, I figure a commercial break should be time for a break as opposed to having to watch intently how people got the heat and how he got here. So that that's, those are my only two major complaints about that. I, I, uh, you know, I enjoyed that match and also cause I didn't get to it in the news section, but you brought it up very good to see Moxley back at this time. I, he looked thin. <laughs> he looked like he had lost a, you know, when you, when you stop, I mean, if you are a party beer drinker at 21 and you stop for about three or four years and you just thin up and let the metabolism go, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be svelte. And he was svelte here. I, I, I really, uh, he, he looks great. He looks, uh, he looks revived. looks like he really could have used the break even without the rehab. And, uh, you know, I, I, I liked this. I, I you know, keep, keep the dopes who are going to make fun of your rehab out. I was happy they had Moxco's kicks, kick that guy out of here. I'm usually, I'm, you know, I'm very much a, you buy your ticket and you say what you want to a point, but that was the point. And he crossed over it. So get rid of that knucklehead. But uh, yeah, I was very happy to see Mox back as well. Yeah. I, I mean, look, uh, no one needs to have their dueful attempts to recover from a drug addiction mocked by anyone, even if you quote unquote paid your money. You know, uh, I, I there are definitely things that are over the line. I had no problem with that. Um, going back to the main event here, I thought okay. Sting getting essentially a handicap match against the acclaim was a somewhat smart move only because the acclaim is so over right now yeah but at least you kept the crowd from fully going the other direction in an even two-on-two match so i think the handicap match was sort of a scared of our own shadow we don't trust that the crowd is going to go with us if it's just a straight two-on-two match. Like, this might actually be a 50-50 Darby and Sting versus the Acclaim. The crowd's going back and forth on this. Because the Acclaim are pretty popular. These these raps and stuff are popular and (laughs) well-received. I mean, even when, like, they're trash-talking their upcoming opponents, it's never like... You know, especially since uh, the Tony Khan conversation that Caster had, it's it's always super tame now, and so it really lends itself to sort of a babyface vibe. Um, and, and as did the little opening package where they're doing a parody of Sting and yeah, Darby. That was really good. Yeah, it was really good. Um, that's really good babyface stuff. I mean, right down to <laughs> rip, ripping on Sting and Darby as having a goth phase is okay yeah you're ribbing on them but like it's like fair game ripping and it's funny and like that's the type of stuff that yeah like i don't know pure baby face material to me so i get why they did this but i also think it's sooner rather than later they're going to need to turn the acclaimed probably i mean just just the bowens when he screams the name of the hometown gets a pop every time so, every time yeah they're 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 their they're, they're, they're trajectory is just like new age outlaws so yeah um 
It's going to happen. Uh, I'll, I'll leave uh, your next point to you. Um, okay, man. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about this, but my God, I, I when I saw Lance Archer versus Frankie Kazarian, I had, <laughs> Good. had thank you. I had I have this. On I had list. I had the gentleman's five in my wallet for Lance Archer and Frankie Kazarian, which is to say, I had five minutes for this match because we uh-huh. all know Kazarian's not going to win this match because Lance Archer's the next challenger for Adam Page, and. This is an audience that you're going to pop them by referencing Starcade 97 later on in the night. I think we know what the general wrestling IQ is of this crowd. Everyone's hip to the story here. So unless Frankie Kazarian is going to derail Lance Archer and buck our expectations in the first beat of the story and the next title challenger is actually Kazarian and not Archer, which yep. would have been an interesting and cool move and totally fine because it's not like the Archer title defense is a super important one. Kazarian would have been an interesting swerve. It would just put a little wrinkle in the story. Unless you're doing that, this should have been five minutes or less. I have no idea why this match went as long as it did, Jeff. And it wasn't bad, <laughs> but it wasn't is good it's it's watching a robert rude match in the year 2019 oh that's good yeah yeah totally fine but i don't know why i'm watching 20 minutes of it or 12 S- minutes of it scu is no longer a team scorpio sky and frankie kazarian are no longer a team frankie kazarian is no longer the elite killer frankie kazarian is now the heavy metal rebel all right did not know that. Don't watch a lot of dark, to be honest with you. So I didn't know that they had this rebranding. I understand veteran respect, but you're building up a monster for your world title guy. Frankie Kazarian doesn't need to go 50-50 with Lance Archer. A, a monster who people do not think is going to beat Adam Page. So what Correct. you really need to do is have him on a wild hot streak yes. right now. Yes, you have to have him make look like a killer so that we can doubt our doubts. Yeah, what- now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Lance Archer's nickname, it's uh, it's the something hawk something or other. Murder. Right? Murder. Murder hawk monster. monster. Monster, you say. Yeah. Who murders. Who murders hawks. Hawks. Makes me a little nervous to be honest with you. Okay, so like I understand this a different way. I understand that like the creature name is Murder Hawk and that it's like a monster that is known as a Murder Hawk. Yeah, it's the opposite of Lady Hawk. If you remember that old movie, with well, that'd be Howard. that'd be that'd be like Papa Hawk. I, yes. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yes. like murder, murder, murder Hawk. Hawk. Yeah, yeah, Murder Hawk's like a uh, yeah. But anyway, point being, like the Murder <laughs> Hawk monster, should, veterans' respect should go out the window. Lance Archer should be doing what he was doing when when he first debuted, and we really liked it. All those vignettes where he was just like tossing people around and stuff. Um, that's the guy you need for this and scenario. if you don't want to use kazarian for that use somebody else use fuego del sol use a local enhancement talent just kill somebody that's all that has to be done here is someone has to die at the hands of the guy with murder in his name so that we think that he's a credible challenger for your title i am going to stay in aew for my next point as well I think respect must be paid. I know that we've trashed this person before and other critics have trashed him as well. But Sean Spears was absolutely dead on perfect on Dynamite on Wednesday. 
the entire the, the video pack the super serious video package between him and punk him coming out him pointing to mjf and look at me look what i'm gonna do and then just getting beat in three seconds like a geek i know they've tried to repackage him as serious sean spears but as a goofball flunky he is amazing and he was amazing here losing quickly and quietly but all the little things he did up until the loss were fantastic the beat of mjf not being able to get a word in edgewise on commentary was fantastic the only thing that went off poorly was the post match between mjf and punk but other than that the match itself was dead on perfect here and that's the same thing they should have done with the murder hawk monster well and and the most important thing with the spears thing is it makes the wardlow encounter last week have additional heft yes uh but no what, what really got me was spears spears's entrance especially in retrospect he came in and did like the main event sort of level entrance. yes like, like, yes like, like yeah this was apollo creed holding, a, holding up the chair yes. yeah like ah it, oh, it was so good was so the funny. excitement he had in his eyes when mjf came out to watch the match dad look at me dad look at me and just getting beat Oh, I howled on my couch. I thought it was drop dead perfect for a guy who has encouraged others not to be funny because funny doesn't make money. He's very funny. Um. Okay. Um. What else do I want to talk about? Uh. NXT. Uh, <laughs> we uh, gotta uh, go back there. No. Uh. Oh. A, a, a little bit. Oh. Um. I, like, look, uh, I'm excited about the Creed brothers. They, I continue. They, they're like the one good thing in this. They need company. a finisher. They need a yeah, yeah. finisher badly. Yeah, like they, a good finisher, like a power I, f- double I, team finish. I mean, I, I do just like that they smash the shit out of people. Yes. But like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, they need an actual like. But no, the Creed brothers are basically the only good thing in this company right now. Um, you know, Legato's fine. There's nothing wrong with them, but uh. This this uh, Malik Blade and Idris Anofi team just is is just a uh, nothing. This Dusty good. Classic stinks. It stinks. It, it stinks. Used to be the thing I look the most forward to every yep. year. Yeah, in this, this one, company. Th- this one just it, it makes me allergic to caring. And and pray for the grizzled young veterans because I think they're losing in the first round too. And I'm just like they have done nothing with them since since NXT 2.0. And that's a damn shame because we thought they were gonna get. We, we thought they were going to get a nice title push here with, with the tag titles. Um, and, and they've just, they've been relegated to singles matches on two Oh five live, which nobody watches anymore. They don't even come out to get to do their promos anymore. I think they're face. Are they facing the, uh, the chase university team, which I have a, a slight soft spot for. Don't get me wrong. Cause this gimmick is just that, that, that Bodie Hayward dude is just such a perfect dude <laughs> and chase is such a total he's really no, no chase he's is, good 
he's being a good. Blank. Yeah, yeah. There's like a certain the former Harlem bravado, I believe. The, the, there's the like the rage thing, like the yes. teacher rage thing that he yes. does, especially as a teacher. Like, like I enjoy his his uh, version or performance of teacher rage is really good, and very cathartic for me. Like, like I, it's true. It speaks to my spirit animal. Yeah, but I mean that uh, this dusty classic stunk. Why are we pinning Kaylee Ray when she's the next title contender? And don't get me wrong, Ivy Nile's not bad, but like, why? Why? Exactly. I mean, this is not the time. Uh, Look, I like Ivy Nile too. She she should. Diamond Mine's the best thing they got going on this show. So like, like, I I guess give them wins, but but yeah. But not this win. Not not now. This is just crap timing unless unless you're getting god help us if they're getting rid of kaylee ray too and or or you know at least move her up if you're gonna do something if you're not gonna do anything with her on this new nxt 2.0 which is I, I, but god but god like if there was ever a person who i like beg to be cut just to go over to aew please cut kaylee ray send her over to tbs have her defeat jade cargill and let's have good matches every week on tbs yeah well nxt we can do this in a month this can happen that reminds me nxt is just full of people with who you thought were heels who are now in feuds with other heels because it just so happens they cross paths and now you know they're having a baby face issue too because you have D'Angelo and uh, uh, God, I can't even remember the name of the North American champion anymore. Oh, uh, uh, Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, and they're they kind of go back and forth, and the Creed brothers kind of go back and forth depending on who they're facing, and and you, you gotta have the same thing with like um, Diamond Mines a faction, but they're Chase, not always heel. Yeah, yeah Chase, Chase U's not really heel. You know, Von Wagner's now definitely a heel, but Duke Hud- no, they're 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 definitive heels, but the definitive heels tend to be boring, like Duke Hudson and Von oh, Wagner. Oh, that reminds me of, of the one other thing I want to bring up on NXT is this uh the the uh, the, the the promo that they did for that kid. I want to say Jayton Chase is his name, but that's not Dante Chen. Dante Chen, thank you. Great, great video vignette. Real. Gets me behind a guy, gets me invested, and in pure WWE fashion, within 20 minutes, I don't give a crap about this guy anymore because he goes in and to get heat for Duke Hudson, the most boring poker player wrestler <laughs> there's ever been. Got a haircut, hair's grown back, so that stipulation didn't matter at all. This video didn't matter at all. It was a waste of my time. What? And, and, and it gets back to the thing we were talking about right before you pivoted into Dante Chen, which is the baby face problem. Yes. Right? Yeah, they don't know how to make me care about any of these people. So what they're that they're crutching on is we're going to come up with a heel like Tony D'Angelo. And maybe you'll ironically decide that you love Mr. Mafia Pizza. And, and then you'll turn him by cheering and then you'll him. Turn, and you'll turn him. And, that, and that's the only way we know how to make baby yeah, faces it's, anymore. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's the worst. It, it, it combines no. two of the worst things in wrestling. It combines bad characterization and ironic fandom. And it's just, it's... And, and you can a dash of cool heel in there too. And yeah, like, and like, that's just it. Cool heel them. Yeah, because that's how that's how L.A. Knight ended up being a babyface in all this was he was a cool heel with catchphrases. 
I just, yeah. Um, I have nothing else for the Lazy River. Do you? Um, I mean, then I guess it's time for us to talk about my favorite show, uh, Never Miss a Week. <laughs> and that is, of course, Monday Night oh, Raw. So, God. people, on Monday night, as you know, I know, um, Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins clashed. Kevin Owens, of course, of course, was hosting Seth Rollins on the KO show. I love that. And uh, they, they're still heels, but they were talking, and then Lashley came out. And then Lashley defeated Seth Rollins after a disqualification because the Hurt Business showed up. But you told me earlier Lashley's a heel, right? He was. Well, I guess he's not here because people are, th- there's odds against him and he's overcoming them or trying to. So I guess. Yes, he's but he of- never really turned into a baby face. Well, but the Hurt Business is attacking him. As well, they should. They treat him like, see, I think the Hurt Business <laughs> has some righteous anger going on as to how they were treated by MVP and Bobby Lashley. But you have to understand the morality here. They're smaller. <laughs> how is that moral? Welcome to better WWE. people. Better people are bigger. Good. Good. Good humans people are, are tall. Yes. If, yeah. Yeah. Yes, the good, good people Lord are tall. To, the good yeah. Lord comes down and blesses them with size and maybe some pharmaceuticals and gets their muscles big. That's yeah, why it, Goliath is, is the biggest baby face in the Bible. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's why God, yeah, God picked Goliath. Uh, yes. We know that. God's favorite champion, Goliath. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dewdrop and Becky Lynch defeat Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan. God. They coexisted? Great. Yeah, they, they coexisted, but, like, beyond that, Bianca and Liv, like, I mean, be, you know, Liv's nothing special, but a lot of people like her, and she's got something. But Bianca Belair it, it, is fantastic. And, like, yes. every week when you watch Jade Cargo on TBS, just know that Bianca Belair could slot in there and do that role a thousand times better and be having way better matches tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, way better talent. Um, could do the exact same gimmick. Um, and, and instead, we're watching Bianca just languishing over here. Kevin Owens defeats Damian Priest. Uh, <laughs> it's first pinfall, by the way. So it's uh, coming up to the main roster. Priest or Owens? Yeah, Priest. Uh, well, Priest lost. Oh, no, I mean, first. that's his first Oh, loss okay, okay. Pinfall. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, and, and Owens faked a knee injury because he's a heel. Um Chad Gable hosted the Alpha Academy graduation <laughs> ceremony for Otis. This can't, I, I mean, I didn't miss this. I was about to say, can't believe I missed this. I, I can't believe I forgot about this. Uh, of course, I watched it. They're interrupted by Riddle, who pitched a rematch. Um, it, it, but that's only going to happen if there's an academic challenge. Yes. Okay. So they're going to have like a quiz thing. A spelling contest, perhaps. Oh, oh good, good, good. Well, if it's weed related, Riddle will do fine. He'll probably get he'll probably <laughs> spell, get bong. Spell he'll, cannabis. <laughs> yeah, it, no, they'll play Wordle and he'll like guess Chiba and bongs <laughs> and weeds. Bongs. Yeah, it, like it, Orton says, stop guessing weeds. We've already guessed the E's multiple times here. Stop it. You sure uh, it's not weeds? <laughs> guess weeds again. Um, Austin Theory defeats Finn Balor. Jesus. Oh, and then that Vince McMahon thing where it's like, I'm going to crush your bones. And, you know, Mr. Uh, We don't believe in dangerous and brutal displays are appealing to network partners. You know, this old 75 year old man. This this Vince in Austin theory, like angle persists. And it's just strange. Like, I don't I don't feel like it has. I mean, 
from reading about it, you get no sense of direction. And I, I can't feel like if I was watching it, it would be any better. Um, I've, I've decided to watch it like like cinema verite, and you just watch it and you go, what's the deeper meaning here? What's he what's he saying to Shane when he's talking to Austin? Theory? Yeah, no, I, I, I know. Like, this has clearly got to be Vince's working out some stuff, but I don't actually care enough about the old man anymore <laughs> to figure that out. Nikki Ash attached Rhea Ripley before their match. Um, I, okay. Almost defeated Reggie by pinfall with the choke slam. Um, and, uh, but he didn't take the 24 seven title. It's because Dana was... Brooks, the champ. Oh, okay. Uh, oh man. Uh, the historical I... mess of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great to see women achieving in this company. Mm-hmm. Beth Phoenix refused Maurice's request to cancel the mixed tag match. And then street profits and the Mysterios defeated the two dogs commander as is and Apollo Cruz. <laughs> god oh that, another rollicking raw oh god what, what a show uh, i mean that that what a show that was chris reads about raw that will close up the lazy river of wrestling criticism this has been shake them ropes i am jeff hawkins you can follow me at crap game 13 you can follow chris at dwatg you can just follow the show as episodes come out at shake them ropes all one word we're part of the voices of wrestling network you can listen to me on wednesdays as part of the fight game media then giving hot takes on the dynamite show with Paul Fontaine. And also next Saturday, post rumble, I'm going back to the old fightful neighborhood, joining Jeremy Lambert on the Royal rumble post show, which means I have to watch this thing live thoughts and prayers recommended. We'll do our preview next Friday. Chris has a Patreon for don't worry about the government. He's going to tell you about it now. So if you are interested in seeing me talk about news and politics this week, I am going to recommend you go to bloggingheads.tv, bh.tv, and check out my appearance on Culturally Determined. Uh, I finally got to live uh, a small but, but a meaningful little dream of mine from my early 20s of appearing on Blogging Heads this week, and I was talking about Thomas Friedman on Arya Cohen Wade's show. Um, and so I want to thank Arya for having me on. You can check that out over at bhtv don't worry about the government can be found at don't worry.tv a lot of news going on this week i'm gonna sit down probably on sunday night and talk like take a look at stuff ukraine um the budget bills and all the various things that are kind of moving and shaking right now obviously the coronavirus as well uh so you can see all of that over at don't worry.tv um, you can go to patreon.com slash DWATG and you can follow me at DWATG on Twitter next week, Royal rumble preview, and hopefully no more Nazi characters.